Cool. We are now live. So today we are going to be covering the three most powerful connection techniques that I'm currently aware of, uh, techniques and principles that have changed my life completely. Reflective listening is one of them. Uh, knowing how to show interest and show attraction is another one. And the third one is confident body language and voice. So the delivery of these things. These three, if you can get these sorted, it's going to take what would normally be a superficial conversation to the next level and the level after that. And it's the, the sort of three things that most often people are missing. And they don't know why they're struggling to connect with people because they don't realize that these things are not being done. Um, so this, this webinar is to celebrate a workshop that I'll be doing in February, February, yes, next year in Auckland, New Zealand. So obviously partly this is to promote that workshop. So there'll be a little bit of a, a, of a pitch in there somewhere, but this webinar is totally free, no obligation. I'm planning to give you some of my best, most powerful stuff that you can use straight away in real life. I'm not going to hold anything back just because it's a promotion. Um, and yeah, for those of you who are watching this, um, before the 30th of November, you can get a, uh, an extra $50 discount on the workshop if you sign up before then. And for those of you actually live on the call who sign up, you'll also get an additional one-to-one -one coaching session with me, um, if you sign up as well. So I'm going to put the little link there for the workshop. I'm really, I promise I'm not going to go on and on about promoting this. But there it is, in case you guys are keen. So bit.ly slash connect with Dan is the link to register. So I'm pretty sure most people watching this will know who I am, but I am going to blast this out to the public. So in case you don't know who I am um, and, and how the topic is relevant to me today, uh, up until the age of 25, that's about roughly when I started changing, I really struggled socially. Uh, you wouldn't have known it to look at me because I had a sort of tight circle of friends around me and I was very social. But what you couldn't see is that under the surface that was a constant struggle for me and that those connections, when you dive into them, you'd realize they were actually quite superficial and some of them were quite fake. Um, There's only a few deep connections I had and because I did have a few, I was able to see how many of my connections were superficial. So I, I had something that most people know of as nice guy syndrome, which is a compulsion uh, an almost addiction to people pleasing and avoiding disapproval, avoiding rejection. And because of this, I was a follower. I was never able to really lead, uh, to take risks socially, to show a f show attraction, especially not to confront people in a healthy way and set boundaries. And because these elements were missing from my my social interactions. My, my connections could only go to a certain depth, you know, very basic conversation, joking and banter. Um, and when it came to women, it was always platonic. Almost always, unless I was drunk. Um, so my social circle was made up of pretty much anyone who would have me. Uh, friends that I made in primary school and high school, I just kept them forever because I actually didn't know how to make new friends. Like when I went to university and none of my friends were there, I just, I struggled immensely. I didn't know what to do. I was there for three years and basically didn't make any new friends, didn't go to parties or nothing because I didn't know how to connect with new people without just talking about school and superficial stuff. Um, 
And, and I had some people in my social circle that really weren't a good fit for me. Uh, there are people that weren't good for me to be around, but because I didn't have the courage or the social skills to create new connections with strangers, I just kind of took what I could get. And as I mentioned before, my love life was just non-existent. I, I mean, after my first girlfriend, I went for like four years without sex, uh, without dating, barely even like kissing or holding hands with a girl, you know, like it was nothing but friend zone for me um, because I just lacked masculinity in my connection with women. So they always saw me as the nice, safe friend, even though secretly I'd be yearning for at least some of them um, in a romantic sense, but I just couldn't, I couldn't pull the trigger. And, and when I finally would try to do something, I'd been passive and, you know, feminine for so long that they just, they had no traction for me whatsoever. Um, this affected my career as well. My career was quite stale and frustrating. I wasn't assertive enough to break through into the higher leadership positions, even though I was capable. And people used me a lot. I was the workhorse because I just couldn't say no. In fact, I was actually bringing on a lot of extra work on myself, volunteering, trying to help, um, because it's the only way I knew how to connect with people is to, is to help them and please them. Then around the age of 25, I said, fuck this, I've had enough. This sucks. Uh, words did that affect. And I started coaching, I started self-development, I started actively working on this. Uh, I started being bolder and particularly within a couple of years, I was starting to take bigger risks with honesty. I was starting to show who I really was to people. I was willing to face rejection. I was standing up for what I believed in a bit more. I started respecting myself more and the way I interacted with people. And through this process, I learned the psychology behind you know being really truly present listening to someone paying attention to them um how it is that you speak to someone where they feel really special and privileged to be talking to you and then i started working on how i express myself so this back and forth how i listen and how i express myself started building over time and i started to unravel the secrets of how it is you build a connection with someone you know one of the things that stuck with me my whole life is that no one teaches you how to make friends you ever notice that you're expected to know that very few people had some sort of mentor or or guide uh in their early life showing them how to meet someone new and create a friendship and yet you're you're just expected to know it and i saw you know i was lucky in, in school i i found a group of friends who just accepted me because i went to a small school but there were kids at my school who, who were just left behind. You know, they, they had nothing. And your parents don't show you how to make friends because they don't actually know themselves. There's no class in school, like this is how you meet people, this is how you connect with them. You're just expected to know somehow. And because you're expected to, you think there's something wrong with you if you don't. And that was me for a long, especially once I hit university and I realized, shit, I don't know how to make friends. Um, I couldn't share that with anyone. I couldn't, I couldn't talk about it with anyone because I felt like I was the only person who had this problem. So I've been applying what we're going to be talking about today for many, many years now. And that's why I'm so certain that the, the three, particularly the three things I'll be talking about today are so hugely powerful in changing the way you connect with people. Um, these days I can connect with almost anyone instantaneously, deeply, Basically, when I meet someone new now, they're either going to hate me straight away or they're going to quickly form a deep connection with me. I, there's no room in the middle anymore. 
I can boldly lead others without needing to use manipulation or aggression or any sort of tricks. I'm engaged to the love of my life. She's down the, down the kitchen right now. And that was just the letting go and being vulnerably honest without you know being weak. Uh, letting her see who I really was and letting her decide for herself. You know, I've been able to learn how to do all that. And the reason I love doing this kind of work is because if I can learn it, anyone can. There's nothing special about me. I just had to do years of brave action when it came to social interaction. And I had to just humble myself and realize, look, I've got to learn this. I, I, I wasn't born with the natural talent for connecting people. Nobody taught me. I have to learn. I have to figure it out. And so this webinar is to help you guys figure that out. If you struggle with this, if your connections are superficial, if you're stuck in small talk all the time, uh, if you find you're in the friend zone all the time when it comes to romantic connections, or if you're just afraid of certain people, like people you're attracted to, or people who are higher status than you, like a boss or your parents even, if you just can't seem to create those connections where someone's loyal to you and they're committed to you and they think you're the fucking shit, you know, that just doesn't happen to you very often um, I really recommend you listen up today because I'm gonna be sharing what somebody you know well lot many people taught me over the years so let's get straight into it we're gonna start with reflective listening now ironically a lot of people who struggle socially think of themselves as good listeners especially the introverts they think of themselves as somebody you know I might not be very bold with talking but at least I'm good with listening but when they say that, what they mean is they're good at sitting quietly while other people make sounds. And that's not the same as listening. So what I want to talk about today is something called reflective listening, which is how to listen and respond to someone in a way that not only leads the conversation deeper, but it keeps you present, keeps you out of your head, and it makes people feel very special and it makes them feel understood because you do understand, okay? And I really want to, I should segue here, while I'm talking about techniques for socializing, all these techniques are designed to bring out who you truly are and for you to be genuine and authentic. None of these are psychological tricks to make someone like you. In fact, if someone's a bad fit for you, what you're going to be doing today will get rid of them very quickly. Okay. I do not condone like pickup and, and the kind of stuff where you trick someone into liking you. What I'm going to be giving you today and in the workshop that I do next year is how to bring the real you out in a way that's shameless and bold and unapologetic whilst also encouraging the other person to do the same, you know, encouraging them to reciprocate. So reflective listening is actually about what you say after they've finished speaking. Okay, it's not just about hearing them, it's about responding. So reflective listening is a practice of before, you know, before you continue after they've spoken, you give back what they've given to you. You reflect like a mirror. And when I, when I converse with people in real life, so few people do this. Like when I finish speaking, they just plow on with their next question or they change the topic. And I can't be sure that they've heard me or understood me. I know they think they have. But what a lot of people do is you, you'll notice yourself doing this while I'm speaking. Occasionally, you'll notice that you think you know how I'm going to finish the sentence. You think you know where I'm going with a point that I'm going to make, and you'll finish it in your head before I do. That's not listening. 
That's assuming, that's guesswork, that's you prepping so that you can come up with something good to say in response. And that kills connections. When you're in your head trying to think of something good to say, the other person will feel like you're not listening because you're not. And you know it when someone else is doing it to you. You know when you're talking to someone and they're reaching for their next thing to say, they're pre-planning. You know that feeling. You're talking, but it's just noise to them at this point. They're just waiting for you to stop so they can say their beautiful thing that they have planned. Reflective listening, one of the key elements to this is you do not even decide what you're going to say until they're finished. One of the things that I learned uh, through coaching and, and this kind of social work was that the most important thing someone has to say usually happens right at the end of what they're saying because people like build up to it. As they're speaking, their idea becomes clearer and clearer and they finish it kind of on a high. And so if I stop listening before they're finished, I actually miss the main point. And even if that's not the case, that's the best frame to take. Like I will let them fully express themselves before I even decide what they said. Now, a lot of you will struggle with keeping a conversation going, especially a deep one. You'll get to that point, especially if you're with someone, say you're attracted to or someone new and kind of a bit intimidating. You feel this pressure to talk and you're constantly trying to think of something to say and you get blocked and the conversation just gets kind of awkward and stuttered. The problem is you're trying to think of something to say. I know it sounds weird, but you trying to think of something to say gets in the way of you thinking of something to say. It doesn't help. What helps is listening to them and allowing them to affect you. Really taking in what they're saying. And reflective listening is when you take in what they're saying and before you go on with what you have to say, you share back what you heard. You reflect. And we're going to talk about some practical ways to do this. But the main kind of point to keep in mind is before you go on with your thing, give them back what they said to see if you understood it. Essentially, you're asking for their feedback. Did I hear you correctly? Because this is what I heard. This is what I felt when you were talking. This is what I think you said. And allowing them to say yes, no, or sort of. So I'm going to give you... I'm going to give you kind of three ways of doing this. Um, and the workshop will be covering about six different ways, but I'll give you my sort of simple three. The first one is paraphrasing. Now, paraphrasing is when you actually just say back to them what they said to you, but you summarize it and you kind of put it in your own words. Okay. So if someone says to me, like, oh, you know, I, I went to... You know, I went to work early this morning and I was really tired and then I, my boss gave me heaps of shit this afternoon. And then uh, when I finally got home, you know, I got locked out of my house. I might say something like, well, so from what you're saying, you've had a pretty tough day. You know, I just kind of wrap it up. I get the theme of what they've said and they give it back to them. Now, if I'm wrong, they'll tell me. They'll say, actually, no, that's my favorite day. I don't know who would say that, but some people would. The point being is before I say like, oh, yeah, well, what I did was blah, 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 or what else did you do today? I actually just give them back what they said to me. Now, when you first start doing this, it's going to feel weird. It really does. I learned this when I was a probation officer. And I remember when I first started doing it, I just felt kind of bizarre. Like I'd be annoying someone or patronizing them to repeat back what they're saying until I started doing it properly. And when I started doing it, the 
the depth of conversation that would follow when somebody goes, holy shit, I've been heard, was incredible. I'd never seen anything like it before. It never occurred to me before. I had a client who um, was trying this. He had a boss. He'd been working for the same boss for five years, something like that, three or five years. And they'd never had anything more than a very superficial talk about the weather or about work. And one day he went and said to his boss, like, how are you doing? And his boss says, oh, it's been a tough day. And he just said, oh, been a tough day. That's it. Just said exactly what he said back to him. That led to a three-hour in-depth conversation about their personal lives. Just because he reflected back. Five years without a personal conversation, one reflection opened up the floodgates. This is why it's such a powerful technique. It's so simple. You don't need to think of what to say. You just need to hear them and give it back to them. It'll also show you when you misunderstand people, which is going to be a lot. You'll think they're telling you one thing, then you reflect back to them, and they correct you. They go, no, what I mean is blah, 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 because you have different meanings for the words that you use, or because they didn't express themselves properly. People often talk, and then after they've spoken, they go, oh, that's not what I meant to say. When you reflect, you give them a chance to, to, uh, to correct this. And summarizing is just giving them back what they said. Sometimes it's even mirroring. You just say the exact words back to them. Had a hard day. Uh, you had a hard day, eh? That's it. Just give it back to them. What you're saying is, I'm not going anywhere. I'm listening. What you're saying is important to me. I'm proving that because I heard you. See? See how I heard you? It's hugely um, high impact. It will feel weird to do, but trust me, once you get the knack of it, it will create deep conversations. That alone, we could, we could shut this webinar down. You start doing that, everything changes. But I want to give you more than that. So the next way that you can reflect is to interpret. This is when you start a reflection with words like, uh, that sounds like. What it means is you're interpreting what they said into your, your own understanding and giving your own understanding back to them where you might be showing them how you view what they've done or what they've said. And it gives them like a different flavor of it, but it shows that you were listening. So somebody might say something like, um, you know, I, I, God, I had to get up really early for work and I was stuck in traffic and then my boss was riding me all fucking day and I get home and, you know, uh, my partner was just being a, annoying whatever, they're saying all this stuff, and you might say, like, you know what, it sounds like you've just been really overwhelmed. You know? It sounds like you've just been under the gun today, like someone's just targeted you for destruction. You're giving back your own sort of what you think they're saying, not the words they're using, but the meaning, and you give it back to them. And this is really powerful because it shows not only are you listening to their words, you're listening to their meaning. And, you know, one of, one of the people's greatest fears is just not being understood, being an alien, being weird, being different to everybody, being this thing that nobody can get, nobody can understand. And when you reflect back and you say, you know what that sounds like to me, blah, 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 they go, holy shit, they, they get me. Or at least they're trying to. I didn't know people were trying to. I didn't know people cared. You know, this is... This very simple little technique, which requires you to be honest, you have to give back what you honestly interpreted. Um, it can make someone's day. It really can. They can be like, fuck, I meant something to someone today. They actually, they had this roaring 
wildlife. They paused it to really listen to me and to try to understand me. You know, you can save lives with this. I'm not bullshitting. Like I, in my previous work, I know that just using these kind of techniques has prevented suicides from happening. Okay. I've had that feedback from people because they were so sure that nobody cared about them until I did this until I tried to understand them. That's all they wanted. Even when I get it wrong, they don't care. You can get this wrong. You can be like, oh, it sounds like you had a hard day. You're like, no, this is what I got a good day. But he's still like, shit, he's listening. He's trying to listen. You're so worried usually during a social interaction about what they think of you that you're not really giving to them. And this is a really powerful way to give and say, I heard you. In fact, I took myself and I, I mixed it up with what you said and this is what I came up with, you know, to interpret. Sounds like you had a hard day. You know, sounds like uh, you've been really doing well lately. Whatever it is, it's not hard to do. You don't have to be a fucking psychoanalyst to, to reflect to somebody. You just have to be like, this is what happened in my mind when you spoke. This is what I came up with. Am I right? So that's interpreting. And, and the third little technique I want to share with you for reflective listening is relating. And relating is when you reflect back to them by sharing your own experience that relates to what they said. Okay. Now, some people are really hesitant to do this, especially introverts, because they think they, they misunderstand this to be like story stealing which is one of the things I hate when you're telling a story and someone jumps in with their own story and like dominates, you know, you're saying something, somebody goes, Oh yeah, that's like a time something happened to me. And then they go off and steal the conversation. That's not what I'm talking about here. What I'm talking about here is you're going to share a personal experience of your own to see if it's the same. You're actually curious is, is this like what I went through? You know, again, it could start with this kind of sounds like, beginning to the sentence, somebody says, blah, 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 I had this really rough day. But, oh, that sounds like my last Thursday, actually. You know, I just, by the end of the day, I was just fucking just anxious up to here. Is that, is that how you're feeling? It's this kind of thing like, I think I had a similar day to you. I think I had a similar experience. Here's my experience. Does that match what's going on with you? What you're doing now is you're rewarding them for sharing with you by sharing back. You're reciprocating. And you can have an entire conversation like this with only this technique. In fact, if you listen to best friends talking to each other, people who have no social anxiety around each other, people are totally open, totally connected, this is how they talk. One person shares an experience, another person shares their experience that relates to that, and then the other person relates to that, and they go back and forth like this. In fact, they very rarely ask each other questions or anything. They just share experience, share thoughts, share ideas, share opinions, all bouncing off each other, reflecting off each other. Okay. So when someone's finished speaking, you can just pause. Pausing is very powerful. You don't need to rush. They're not going anywhere. Just pause and allow an experience from your memory to come into your head that relates to what they're saying. You know, sometimes I'll pause for like five seconds just to let my brain come up with something. Rather than trying to think, I just wait to see what happens. You know, so relating is just sharing an experience that matches what they just shared with you. Paraphrase, summarize what they said, give it back to them. Interpret, give back what they've said in your own words and your own meaning and relating. Share an experience that relates 
to what they've said, share a memory or uh, an experience that came up for you while they were talking. So that is reflective listening. I'm going to try and keep it concise today as much as I possibly can. And uh, in the workshop, we're going to be covering an additional three uh, more powerful reflection techniques. We'll practice them on each other. And also we're going to learn how to reflect in a way that encourages people to respond. Okay, so how to word these reflections in a way that encourages responses. So you can see in the group chat there, if you're interested in the workshop, all the details and the little um, discounts and everything. Let's move on. Number two, showing interest and attraction. Okay. So this is about how to tell someone how you feel about them without it being awkward or judgmental or creepy. And so that you can create like more intense romantic connections or you can create really meaningful friendships. So and when you're doing reflective listening, you're showing someone that you're paying attention to them. And now we're going to talk about how to show someone that not only are you paying attention to them, you like what you see. You like the person, okay? Or you like aspects of them. You've got to understand, most people don't know how you feel about them, okay? And because they don't know, as you'll know from your own experience, most people suspect the worst, right? There are some people who are either confident or going on to arrogant and narcissistic who will assume that you like them, but most people will assume a default that you're a risk of disliking them. And you can see it. If you pay attention, you watch just how many people are people pleasers, how many people are showing off and trying to look good and all those kinds of things. How many people are trying to make you like them because they don't think that you do or they're not sure. And, and you'll know this because you're like this. You're always worried that people don't like you. You're looking for warning signs rather than looking for confirmation that they like you. And unless someone's very direct with you saying, I like you because of this, this, and this, you find it hard to believe. Now, that's normal. We're wired. Evolutionary biology here. We are wired to be suspicious and paranoid in social situations, okay? Because our ancestors, that was a huge risk for them. It's not for us anymore. Everyone could hate you and you'll be fine, but we don't know that yet. Our brain doesn't know that yet. So one of the best gifts you can give to people is to say, yeah, I like you. It's one of the things that people very rarely say, and yet it's such a gift to give to someone as long as you're not trying to get something. And the workshop will talk a lot about mindset. We'll talk about what, why some people can get away with saying this stuff and other people can't. But for now, we're just going to talk about the techniques. So what I've discovered is that nothing has more impact on someone emotionally than finding out how other people feel about them, how they affect others. Okay. I'm not just talking about caring what other people think, like that kind of social anxiety, but just knowing that you being alive is, is a gift to somebody. It's one of the most powerful gifts you can give, right? You'll know it if you've experienced it. You know, when you realize somebody likes you and, and you didn't have to do anything, you were just being you and they like it. They're like, God, oh, I like you. I just I like the way you are. There's rare occasions when someone actually tells you that. It's amazing. It sits with you. You're like, shit, I was just sitting here living my life thinking I'm not good enough and someone actually likes me for that. You know, they like the way I am. So why not give that gift to others? And if you want deep connection, if you want someone to open up and feel safe with you, they have to trust that you like them. They're not going to do it with somebody who's their suspicious might not like them. 
of somebody who they think is just pretending to like them. You've got to take this risk. And, you know, one of your biggest problems will be wondering if other people like you. Well, there's one way that's most guaranteed to find out whether or not someone likes you is you going first. You taking the lead and telling them how you feel about them first. Because the most likely thing they're going to respond with is how they feel about you. Okay? If you want to know how someone feels about you, tell them how you feel about them. Okay? Now, most people make mistakes around this. And I did for most of my life. And I didn't realize that this was actually probably the main reason that I didn't have any kind of good romantic connections and why my friends couldn't really be relied on or loyal. Didn't they just bail on me all the time? It's because I wasn't showing interest to create deep connections. And there's a few ways that people do this wrong. What First and foremost is they avoid it. Okay. They assume the other person already knows. And so they just don't say anything about it. I mean, with my very first girlfriend, I was with her for like, fuck, it was like two and a half years. And I never directly told her uh, how I felt about it. I told her that I loved her, but that's kind of empty. I didn't tell her why. And I didn't tell her that I was attracted to her. I didn't tell her what it was about her that I liked. I was with her for years without doing it. I just avoided that topic altogether. I assumed she already knew because I wasn't going anywhere. But the fact was, a lot of the time, she was really insecure about the way I felt about her because I never gave her any evidence other than staying around. Another mistake that people make is you hide interest. Uh, any of you guys who have gotten into pickup and stuff like that would have been told that this is a good idea, especially at the beginning. You hide interest, they can't be rejected. Um, if, you, if you're too interested, people will run away from you and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, insecure people will. Okay. And too interested usually means too needy, which isn't the same as showing attraction and interest. So this is what I used to do basically, is I used to just hide how I felt about people. You'd never know really how I felt about you. Uh, I could hate you and you wouldn't know it, right? I just hid it. Another mistake I used to make particularly is being too indirect. I would show interest, but in such an indirect kind of um, way that you couldn't be sure that that's what I was doing it was easy to misinterpret it as something else. Like, I'd be very polite and helpful. That would be me saying, I like you, but you wouldn't be able to be sure that that's what I'm saying. I might just be a helpful guy. And it's really hard to know that that's what I mean when I'm being like that with everybody. So if you're a nice guy, people pleaser, and you think you're showing attraction, well, if you're being nice and people pleasing with everybody, the people are going to watch you doing this and go, well, that's just who he is. That doesn't mean anything. And they won't know that you're like giving them special treatment. So being really indirect, again, it's to avoid rejection, it's to avoid sort of being called out. And the last one is people who do show interest often do so judgmentally. Okay, they say, you're hot, you know, or you're a good dancer, or that kind of thing. And they're just showing either compliments or criticisms, which are just judgments. That doesn't actually show how you feel about someone, it shows how you judge them. So this is a common mistake, like guys who, uh, especially guys with, with attraction, they first start like kind of breaking through the barrier by complimenting people. But what they don't realize is all they're doing is judging them. And because that's all they're doing, the other person still doesn't actually know how you feel about them. They just know that you judge them positively. That doesn't mean you actually like them. You know, I can say that a dog looks good, but if it bites me, I still hate the dog. So I can hate the dog while thinking it looks good. And, and, you tell someone that they're pretty, it doesn't mean that they'll go, oh, he must like me. 
as we know, he thinks I'm pretty. He might hate all women. I don't know. He thinks I look good. That's all I know. So being judgmental is not the same as sharing interest and attraction. And, and that's what I'm going to be showing you today is how to do it without being judgmental. The key, like I said, is to show how you were affected by them, to show how you reacted emotionally to something very specific about them and preferably something they did. Okay. So they did something, you felt a reaction. That's what you share with them. That is showing interest. Okay. So what did you notice about them and how did it make you feel? Not how good or bad was it? Because that's not a feeling. That's a judgment. You know, it's, it's the reaction you had inside you. You know, I'll give you some examples here. Say for a romantic connection, I might say something like, you know, when you looked me right in the eyes, I felt instantly attracted to you. So you did something and this is how it made me feel. Now, I'm not saying you are attractive. I'm not saying you are good looking. You don't know what you are. <laughs> you know, I don't know what you are. All I know is when I saw you, when I looked right into your eyes, I felt something. And that's so much more believable than me saying, oh, you look really pretty in that dress. Or the worst one, like, oh, I like your shoes. No, you fucking don't. You don't like shoes. Shut up with that. But if you can say, you know, when I saw you walk in dressed like that, I was just like, damn, inside my head. That's showing how they affected you. They're not going to deny that because they're not going to say, no, you didn't have those thoughts. Right? But if you say you're hot, they'll say, no, I'm not. I'm fat. You know, so when showing especially romantic interest, just say, look, I noticed you. It affected me. You know, when I, when I found that little note you left on my desk, like my heart like went warm, you know, that stuck with me all day. That's showing interest. Okay. That's showing attraction. And um, for no, non-romantic connections, you absolutely still have to show interest. You must. Someone's not going to be your friend unless they know you like them. Okay. Your, your strained relationship with family members might be simply because they suspect you don't like them. Because you never thought to say, you thought, oh, we're family, it's implied. But maybe they don't know. Again, you can show that you're affected by something they did. An example I've got here, oh, I love the energy you put into what you say. It captures my attention completely. Saying, I love what you're doing. You know, it got me. I, I couldn't stop looking at what you're doing. You know, I used to, or showing appreciation is another way of doing that. You know, it's like, fuck, if you didn't show up to work today, I think I would have had a really shit day. That's a way of showing, like, I like you. You, you being around is better than you not being around in my world. To be able to show them that. Um, yeah, I got that one for work. You were off sick yesterday. It bummed me out. I like this place more when you're here. It's showing how you feel in reaction to them. Okay. Now, in the workshop, we're going to be identifying how to look for the good points in people, how to find those things and notice them, to get out of your head and into the world, and how to share them in a way that you know, makes them feel special while directly showing how you feel about them and phrasing it in a way that's like easily digested, that avoids awkwardness or embarrassment. Okay. But I want you to practice this. You can practice this with people you already like. It could be quite intense. But just find something you like about them and share that with them. Even if the best you can come up with is, I like the way you do this. Or I like it when you do that. Or my favorite thing about you is X. 
you know, to show this is something I prefer about you. You, you something about you is is better to me than other things about other people. To show that, you know. Um, so that's a, it's a, it's really simple. It'll take a bit of courage to do, but if you're really specific, it won't be this big overinvestment. You know, too many, especially nice guys and people pleasers. They'll go up to some girl they've had a crush on for a year and just be like, I'm deathly in love with you. The girl's just like, holy shit, I thought we were friends. And she freaks out, right? It's so much easier to just say, you know what? I've noticed that every day you're here, I feel better about work. When you're not here, I feel like bummed out, like something's missing. It's much more specific. It's definitely showing interest. But it's not saying like, you are the, the light of my life and just freaking them the fuck out. And, and that's quite untrue to say that as well. You'll survive without them. So to come on that strong uh, isn't actually accurate. <clears throat> so this is where you go very specific so you can be very accurate, which guarantees you're being honest. You know, I remember I was on a date, uh, was, well, I mean, years ago now that I'm engaged. And the girl walked in and she, as she walked up to meet me at the counter of the cafe, I was like, you know what? When you walked in, I just got this like rush of excitement. Yeah, it made her day when I said that. Now, there's no doubt that I'm interested in her. There's no doubt that I'm attracted to her, right? But the way I phrased it was just exactly what happened. I saw her excitement. So I just shared that with her. These things are happening to you all the time. Even just somebody capturing your attention. You're like, I noticed that I pay more attention to that person when they speak than other people. And share that with them. It's like, I noticed that when you speak, it really captures my attention. You're saying, look, you're interesting to me, right? Very direct, very accurate. All right. Last one. Confident body language. All righty. How you hold yourself physically and how you speak, speaking in a way that commands attention and respect, makes you feel like you're 10 foot tall, bulletproof. This can counter some of the side effects of anxiety, um, not get rid of it, but allow you to behave with confidence whilst feeling anxiety. Um, and it kind of ensures that you're going to be respected in a conversation, that you won't be interrupted or ignored. Often the reason that people aren't paying attention to you or ignoring you or running over you, not letting you speak, it's not because they don't like you. It's because your body language tells them to take over and you don't realize it's doing that. You're actually sending them signals saying, I'm too weak to continue please take over. Body language is like the vehicle delivering your message. You know, if the, the Prince of Wales showed up in a shitty beat up old Honda Civic, you'd be like, nah, that's not really him. Right? You wouldn't believe it. And body language is like that. It's the, it's the vehicle that your message arrives in. And if that vehicle is weak and uncertain and apologetic and weird, it's very hard to take the message in. You know, you'll, you'll have noticed yourself from emails and, and typed messaging that messaging without body language often gets misinterpreted. It often gets taken negatively, more likely than it gets taken positively. It's so much harder to have a meaningful conversation in a written form than it is to have it in person. Why? Because body language delivers the message. You might not know what you're saying exactly and have the right words, but your body will tell them what you're trying to say and they'll understand you better. Same with your voice tone, which I just include under the umbrella of body language. So 
what I love about confident body language is it's such a practical one. You can really control your body. You can't control your ability to think of something to say. You can't even really control your ability to pay attention very well when you're super nervous, but you can always control your body. And it's such an easy thing to focus on. It's such a quick win when it comes to building social confidence. So let's have a look at some of the mistakes that people make um, that I noticed in myself. It took me a long time to realize I was making these mistakes. And when I corrected them, things just changed instantly for me, instantly. So first one is too quiet and hesitant. Nice guys and people pleasers do this thing I call the gentle voice. It's like you're talking to a child that takes the base and the masculinity out of your voice and it becomes a soft thing where you're just trying to be very nice and gentle, like you're working in, you know, customer service and you just, you want to make sure nobody gets upset. That kind of soft, gentle voice, that quiet hesitancy, it triggers off dominant people. It says, okay, this person shouldn't be talking, I'll take over. It's a fear to take up space, both physically and auditorially, that is a word. Take up space with sound, take up space with your body. Confident people take up space, you know. They spread out both physically and with the sound of their voice. Their voice carries. doesn't mean they're shouting, and it doesn't mean that they dominate over other people. It just means you have no chance to not hear them if that makes sense, okay? When a confident person speaks, you will hear them, right? They know exactly the volume to use to make sure that they cannot be uh, ignored. Uh, another mistake that people make is they're too fast, again, both with body and with sound. Nervous people race to get everything they're saying out and, and they're unable to let go of the details, so they'll, they'll rant, blurt, and just over-invest. And this comes across as really needy and it's convoluted. It's overwhelming to listen to when somebody's just going on and on and, blah, 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 and they won't stop. It makes you just want to run away. And the ironic thing is they're trying to stop you from running away by like capturing you with information and all this doesn't make you want to leave. And you'll know that all of you will have been at some social event and you're trapped in the corner by the person who won't shut up. There's nothing worse, right? You just want the ground to swallow you alive. So, it's often, it's, you can speak fast, but there needs to be pausing, and we'll talk about that soon. But too fast is often a symptom of, of low confidence. You're scared they're going to leave if you don't get the point across quickly and if you don't capture them and sell them on what you're saying. And particularly in specific to body language, one of the biggest mistakes people make is essentially what's called victim body languages, which is everything closes into your center. It's funny, it can be very subtle. It can be a matter of millimeters in terms of how much the body's moved. There's a huge difference between shoulders just being relaxed and normal and being slightly caved in, chin slightly down, or chin up and neck down. It's this kind of submissive puppy-looking position. And... I used, to, I used to work with criminal offenders for a very long time, and I worked with a lot of violent offenders. And I used to always ask them, like, how do you choose your guy? Like, if you're someone who mugs people on the street, do you just randomly grab anyone who looks rich or what? And they said, no, no, I can smell it. I know who's not going to fight me back. That's who I'm looking for. And there's a way that they, they've got this predatory instinct after years and years of experience to spot the guy who will not fight back. And it's not to do with his size. They'll take a big guy. It's his body language that says, 
I am not going to stand up for myself. I do not want to take up space in this world. I'm apologetic for being here. Your body gives you away. And uh, as we saw in the TED talk by Amy Cuddy, which is worth checking out, there's also a lot of very strong scientific research to show that if you correct your body language, your serotonin levels actually go up. So you actually can generate confidence by fixing your body language. You hold yourself like a confident person, you become more confident. Um, this is the closest to fake it till you make it that I'll ever condone. Because you're not really faking it, you are literally with your body being confident. And you get the neurochemical reward that justifies that. So you won't realize it, but because you're scared of taking up space and because you're apologetic about who you are as a person, your body will be projecting this message. And what it says, what it says to bullies is, I'm the one. Pick me. I'm going to be fun for you. I'm going to be an easy mark. And what it says to other people, more kind people, is please take over. Please do it for me. I will follow. Okay, your body language, this is what body language is designed to do. It's designed to communicate. We had body language before we had verbal language as homo sapiens. So we've been talking with our bodies far longer than we've been talking with words. You won't realize it because you don't watch yourself. But if you watch yourself on video all day long and you've got like really low confidence, you're just going to be like, oh, is that what I fucking look like? Jesus. And when you hear yourself, you know, people hate the sound of their own voice. Well, that's because you're hearing, you're receiving what you look and sound like. And I'll give you, I'm going to talk soon about filming yourself and the importance of doing that to get some self-awareness. You might actually have some great things to say. You might be an awesome fucking person and your body's letting you down. It's undermining your message. It's throwing question marks into it. You know, if I used to experiment with this. Like I'd go up to a girl and tell her that I was attracted to her. I'd use the exact same words, but I'd change my body language. Every time I used what I call victim body language, the girl was repulsed. You know, nine times out of 10, the girl would be like, ugh, you know, and run away. The same exact wording, not a tiny bit different, exact words with confident body language and eight girls out of 10 would at least respond positively. They might not like me back, but they'd stick around and want to talk and they'd smile and it would make their day. Same exact words. It fucking blew my mind. Like I remember the first time I realized that I wasn't making eye contact with people. So I just started doing that. I just started holding eye contact more often. My whole world changed. It was like being two different people. You know, from the day I, the day I decided to start using eye contact more was a different time in my life. A new phase started for me. That's how strong and powerful eye contact is. Most guys, especially guys raised in the New Zealand type culture, are very intimidated by eye contact. There's actually some biological reasons for this. Guys, men in particular, generally make eye contact with their competition. The enemy is the one we're facing and our friends are side to us. You know, a sports team, our friends are beside us, the enemies in front. If we're hunting, our fellow hunters are beside us and the, you know, the, the woolly mammoth is in front of us. Anything we're looking directly at is trying to kill us or, or take our women, you know. And whereas as women, they generally little girls are taught to socialize face to face, which is why they're so much better at reading people than we are. You know, they, they've got 10, 10 extra years of experience of like watching people as they talk. And it's very shameless for women to be eye to eye. You'll notice best friends, two best friends, women going to brunch together, they face each other and they stare into each other's faces. A guy would find that incredibly uncomfortable, right? But you can get comfortable with it. 
Um, so common mistakes, too quiet and hesitant, too apologetic with both your body and with your sound, too fast, racing to get it out, trying to keep their attention and very fast in your body language as well, jittering around and sort of having a bit of a fit in front of people because you're just nervous um, and closed in showing that you're sorry for being alive, showing that you don't mean to be taking up space, that you see yourself as an inconvenience. If you feel this way, your body's telling everyone you feel this way, and it provokes reactions from them. One way to look at confident body language is just it allows them to hear what you're saying. That's all. If your body language is sorted, then they'll go, okay, I'll listen to this guy. If your body language is weird, then all they're doing is thinking about the body language. It's like, why does he keep looking at the ground? What does he say? Why does he keep muttering? And they're not listening to what you say because the body language threw them off. So body language isn't like a technique to make people like you. It's more like a blank canvas that you can put your message on and that people will be actually able to see, right? And I try to keep this as simple as possible. There's only three words you need to remember when it comes to body language and voice tone. Slow, loud, and bold. You get those three happening, and you instantly command attention. Okay? This is what confident people do. When you watch them, and I really recommend you choose your like top 10 most confident people that you admire, and watch them on video. Watch them in public speaking. Watch what you see. Slow means like essentially you've got nowhere to be you got nowhere to go there's no rush everything about you is chilled okay you're not trying to get anywhere you've got no goal to accomplish and the best way i heard in terms of of body language is move like you're underwater okay and um, and learning how to dance is really good for this pausing while you speak drawing out what you're saying You'll notice actually a lot of confident people speak quite fast, but they have these pauses where you get to like take in what they've said before they keep going. And it's, it creates a suspense when you're listening to them. You know, they'll say something like, you know, the most important thing that you need to remember is blah, blah, blah. And you're just like spellbound. They've actually given you plenty of opportunities to interrupt, but you don't. You know, they're pausing, they're slow. They, they know you're not going anywhere. You know, they're already confident. They're sure of it. And they speak as such. They're like, let's play with this. Let's enjoy this. Even a fast speaker, like uh, if any of you guys know Gary V. He speaks really quickly, but if you pay attention, he pauses. You know, so slow, slow down. Slow down your speaking. Slow down your movement. Just, you've got nowhere to be. You're the king of your own world. There's no rush. If they're going to interrupt you, you'll just wait for them and then you'll continue. doesn't matter. You don't need to keep them with speed. Loud. In very simple terms, speak about two feet behind the person you're talking to. Sound waves, for those of you familiar with sound, they drop off as they travel across distance. Okay? In a way, they're kind of affected by gravity, but it's actually air pressure. So what happens is if I try to speak to you, by the time it gets to you, it's dipped. If that's my aiming point, by the time it gets to you, it'll be about half the volume of what left my mouth. Okay, now I can hear myself, so I think I'm speaking loud, but you're barely hearing me. 
for me to get to you at the volume I'm leaving my voice, I need to talk like I'm talking behind you. And what you can do is practice this with a cell phone. You can record yourself. And the best way to do this, this is how I train myself, is I put my um, phone at the end of one room, my lounge, and I went to the other end and I spoke to my phone and I kept doing it until the recording on my phone felt, sounded like I was holding it up to my voice, holding it up to my mouth. Okay, to be able to speak loud enough without shouting, but just to speak from the gut, to push, to get that voice to project all the way to the phone as if I was holding it to my mouth. That is how you can control volume. That doesn't mean you have to be loud all the time. But understand most of you with confidence issues, you're too quiet and it undermines your message. And it's, you'll feel or it'll sound in your head like you're being too loud when you do this correctly. I remember for ages, especially when I went to like bars and, and loud environments, I was like, fuck, I'm shouting at everybody. But actually I was talking at just the right volume for them to hear me. Yeah, it took me a long time to get used to that. And you know, when I've finished a workshop or something like that, I have a bit of a sore throat because I'm going right to the back of the room with what I'm saying. But nobody misses a word. When I first did workshops, I kept getting people at the back, like holding up, oh, can you speak up? Do you have a microphone? I, I thought I was being loud, but I wasn't being loud enough. The last thing and probably the most important one when it comes to body language is bold. Okay. And this is where in a very real sense in dancing language, we'd call this your frame. It's where you take up space. Okay. Think of uh, your solar plexus, that center part of your chest. It's either something that bursts out or something that sucks in. Now people with, with confidence issues, the, the center of their chest tends to be like a black hole, pulls the rest of their body in. And it can only, like I said, it only needs to be a couple of millimeters to go from, look at me, I'm here to speak, to like, oh my God, something's wrong with me. You know, it's this tiny little movement that changes everything. This thing, this square here from the bottom of your chin, underneath your nipples, across to your solar plexus, that always needs to be open. There's again some science behind this. If you look at the top predatory animals, cats especially, you'll see that this area, the, the alpha of the, of the pack, whether it's female or male, this area is always open and exposed because it's the most vulnerable area. It's where your vital organs are, it's where your neck and your throat is. And animals that own their shit, they have this open. They say, bring it on. Now, we're not trying to be aggressive, want to be alpha douchebags. But what I'm saying is when you close this area off, you're saying, I'm scared of attack. I'm trying to protect my vital organs. When you open this area up, which is as simple as bringing your shoulder blades together, not up, but back. Shoulder blades back and down. This whole area opens up. You walk around like this, you feel like fucking bulletproof. It changes everything. You'll notice it. Just walk around and just pull those shoulder blades back and down and just let that area be open. Chin level with the ground. Not looking up and not like neck forward Tyrannosaurus. Okay. Head back, chin up. Not military. Okay. Because that actually looks quite insecure a lot of the time. But more like athletic. Watch what um, basketballers and, and runners and other field and track athletes look like when they're walking around. That is confident body language. That is where you are used to dominating with your body. Okay. So keeping that space open, holding eye contact, smiling, and just in general taking up space. 
okay? When you sit down at a bar, sit down comfortably. Don't try and squeeze in so that other people can fit. Fuck them, let them find another seat. You take up as much space as you need, okay? I'm not talking about being an inconsiderate prick. I'm just saying you're allowed to be in this world. Behave accordingly. Take up the space that's allotted to you. And it can be as simple as opening that up. Not only does opening that up show that you're worthy of attention, uh, it also helps you project your voice. Okay, it's very hard to talk powerfully when you're cutting off your windpipe and squeezing your diaphragm. It's very easy when all of that stuff's stretched out and open. And what I really recommend that you do is you film yourself. Take a brief speech of like a 30 seconds, a minute. Put the camera at a position where it's like it's somebody else and talk to it. Look directly into the lens of the camera, that's their eyes, and talk to that. And then watch the video. I promise you it will be painful to watch. But you'll get to see what you look like to somebody who's speaking to you. And you'll be able to critique it. You'll be able to see, like, I can see that I keep looking at the ground, that I keep mumbling, that um, I'm not smiling, I'm very serious all the time. Looks like I'm, I'm upset. I can see that my, my shoulders keep folding in. I can see that my hands keep fiddling and fidgeting. You can see all these little points that there's no reason for you to be doing it. It's not authentic to do those things. They're just bodily reactions. You get to control your body. You get to decide what it does. And these three things, slow, loud, and bold, you get those right, 90% improvement on your connection with other people, just from those. And after that, it's just fine-tuning. You know, I, I did an experiment where I walked around streets starting conversations with people. It was actually at night. It was in Sydney. Um, and I just started conversations that were ridiculous. The most ridiculous ways to start a conversation, most stupid things to say. But all I did was focus on as bold a body language as possible. And what was amazing is no matter what I said, the conversation would start. Remember, what did I say? There's two girls at a table. Uh, oh, we could see the Sydney um, Harbour Bridge. That's right. See it in the background. And I just went up to them. And I think what I said was something like Sydney Harbour Bridge, right? That was it most ridiculous way to start a conversation made no sense but all i did was focus on their body language right and i ended up speaking to them for like two hours it literally doesn't matter what you say to start a conversation how you say it does though okay you can just say to someone hi how are you you don't need to be some sort of master of wit to to connect with people but if you say hi how are you and you're all closed in they're just going to be like, Ugh. that'll be their first reaction. They're not really judging you. Their body's just reacting to your language. You know, they're just going, oh, this person's a threat. Right? But if you're bold and open, the body goes, oh, he seems like he's got his shit sorted. Let's give him, let's give him some time. You'll notice yourself from when other people come up to you. There's people that before they say anything, you're creeped out by them. Or you're bothered by them. Or that you feel anxiety as they lock eyes with you and walk towards you. There's something about you guys, oh, I don't want this person to talk to me. Right? How do you know that? Their body's telling you something. And there's other people, as soon as you see them in a room, you're like, I don't know, I think I like that guy. Hasn't said a word, could be a serial killer for all you know. Automatically you feel like you like him. Why? It'll be body language again. Okay. 
So make sure your body language isn't undermining your message, slow, loud, and bold. Cool. Now, uh, in the workshop next year, we'll also be covering how to initiate and lead conversations. We'll be covering our techniques to create endless interactions so you never have to think of what to say and you never have to be fake. We'll talk about how to share stories about yourself, something that especially New Zealand men struggle with, nice guys struggle with, is talking about themselves. So we'll talk about how to do that in a way that opens up connections. And my favorite, we'll talk about confrontations. Talk about how to set boundaries with someone in a way that actually improves a connection um, and, and, sh and allows people to trust you and love you even more. So thank you guys so much for joining me live. Uh, for those of you who missed the start, the recording will go out soon and you can catch up. Um, and those of you watching the replay on YouTube right now, in the future, it's weird to say, thank you guys for taking the time. If you aren't in New Zealand or you can't make the workshop, but you want to learn this stuff, get in touch with me and I'll see what resources I can put together for you, dan at brojo.co.nz. And for those of you watching, you see in the group chat there, there's a registration link, bit.ly slash connect with Dan to register for the workshop. It's just registering, you don't pay or anything. Um, if you do that by the 30th of November, you get an extra $50 discount. And the first five people to do that will get an extra one-to-one -one session with me. Uh, worth 350 and uh, yeah that's it from me today honestly thank you guys so much for joining I really appreciate that and um, send me through your feedback your thoughts I'm always looking to improve and I'll see you all next time for whatever the hell the next thing is cheers <laughs>